Welcome to Season 2 of Visiting's Radio Show, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside the traditional exhibition space. I'm Alan Nakagawa. Cognet Collective is an artist team focusing on the meanings, culture, and politics of the U.S.-Mexico border. For the past several years, they have been the artists in residence at the Grand Central Art Center in Santa Ana, California. My name is Amy Sanchez Arteaga, um, and I work with Misael Diaz as half of Cognit Collective. Yeah, and my name is Misael Diaz, and together with Amy, um, co-founded Cognit Collective in 2010. We've yeah. been working together ever since. Thank you for coming today. Mm-hmm making the trek. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. Thank you for having <laughs> yeah. us. We got biscotti and figs. Mm-hmm. So nice. So where do you guys get your name? How did you come to Cognit Collective? Uh, well, I think that began because we're, um, one, sort of interested in language. Um, and so cognate words are words that um, sound the same and sort of mean the same thing across different languages. Um, but it's also a way that you can refer to like architectural spaces that do that. Um, and so for us in thinking about the border and thinking about like our upbringing as like binational, transnational little subjects, um, have grown into like regular size subjects. Um, there, there was like an interesting, that was an interesting way to like articulate that kind of relationship that we had had, um, I guess to be more like concrete, so a, a cognate might be something like, um, the one we always use is like hospital in English. If I say hospital, um, in Spanish, if I say hospital, it's like literally the same word. In French, if I were to say hospital, across those three um, languages, a hospital is a, thi- it's a place where you go to get medical care. And we can understand that across those um, three words and three languages because they're the same. Um, and also they kind of function in the same way as spaces. So a, a cognate is a word, it's a space, but then there's also these like tricky things called false cognates. So, oh yeah. Um, and so a false cognate is like, um, for instance, a common one is like library in English and libreria. So a libreria in Spanish is actually a bookstore. Um, a biblioteca is a, a library. So um, also the kind of play and like, um, and the way that we can sort of use or think about like false cognates and their like falseness or trueness. And you guys have a, a pretty deep relationship with the border, the Mexico-U.S. border. Mm-hmm. Could, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, we both grew up um, at the border uh, between California and Baja California. Um, Amy and her family grew up between Mexicali and Imperial Valley, mm-hmm. uh, more kind of rural border. Uh, and my family uh, and I grew up 
um, between, I was born in LA actually, but um, my family and I lived for a while in Tijuana and I have always crossed the school or crossed the border to go to school in San Diego. So I was doing that for a while. Um, so we kind of have this personal um, connection and experience of the border, which was, I think, interesting because it at once um, brought us together in, in the sense of having um, similar experiences and sharing this kind of connection to this act of constantly moving between two cultural contexts, but also, um, I think, like an intimate uh, familiarity with how the border is actually extremely porous um, and transgressed um, on a daily basis by hundreds of like tens of thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people. So that was something that brought us together. Uh, but there was also an interesting, I think, um, difference in, in our own experiences of the border in spite of having grown up and crossed the border, I think within, I don't know how many miles is a hundred miles mm -hmm. uh, of like the that. two checkpoints, like a little over a hundred miles. Um, our experiences were, I, I think, of that act and that movement and that flow were, were different as well in that, you know, the Tijuana-San Diego border is extremely an urban context, hyper-militarized, um, it's very impersonal, um, I think I would say, um, you know, to be, to be polite, uh, impersonal. Um, but then I think it was really interesting hearing from Amy and her experience of crossing um, in the Mexicali-Calexico border, uh, where many times, for example, the people that are inspecting the cars that are at the checkpoint, the agents there, um, are people that, you know, you went to high school with or your family Or knows. that my mom did or that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, sort of, yeah. So there's a sense of, uh, uh, I think, a less impersonal mm -hmm. uh, association wow, with that space. So I think... I think there was there was a nice kind of yeah. like oh this really re this thing that brought us together uh, that made us different um, perhaps uh, and that impacted how we viewed the vo the border uh, in relation to people who for example grew up uh, in LA or even in Santana like uh, still very close to the border but uh, have a different understanding of how it functions uh, and what it represents um, than I think people that grew up there. Um, so I think that that was nice. And then there was also this this interesting uh, tension in our own experience that I think made it a rich thing to probe um, mm -hmm. from from the perspective of, of research and art. Um, yeah. So delving into that personal experience. Yeah, because I guess just to be like really transparent. So Misael and I are both um, Misael was born in L.A. I was born in the Imperial Valley. Um, so we both have passports we're both like people with documents so I think also the work sort of tries to think about um that often like the sort of like accident of birth that allows you to move between nation states which is sort of especially in the Americas like uh the way that just I mean, most um, when we talk about like San Diego, we talk about like the sort of first peoples of San Diego, like the Kumeyaay people there, uh, the way that they moved through San Diego, Tijuana was like, you know, they would just follow the pine nuts and they would follow um, the sort of diff different like harvests and such like that's just sort of part of the life of um, 
living between the California. So also like the kind of artificiality um, and bizarreness and like artificialness of the border, especially um, in the Californias, feels really um, palpable and really arbitrary to say, like, these are the people that get to move and then these are the people who don't. How many along the California border? How many ch- checkpoints? Uh, checkpoints are there? Um, so there are. There's one in San Diego, Tijuana. There's one in Tecate, and then there's one in the Imperial Valley, and then in Tijuana, there's a few. So there's um, different like actual ports of entry. So in Tijuana, mm. for instance, there's like the San Isidro port of entry, which is more like where pedestrians and individuals cross versus uh, the Otay port, which is more like commercial. But people can also cross oh, there, but it's sort okay. of more like industrial. And then um, in in Tecate, I think there's, there's just, just like one. the one. But in the Imperial Valley, no, there's even two. Yeah, and the, well, there's been mm-hmm. um, since I was small. So there's like mm-hmm. the east and west port of entry. And then I guess the next closest one would be like Algodones, but I think that's in Arizona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think the thing we often want to share and proliferate is that they exist because borders are like themselves a weird fallacy that like doesn't hold up like you have to have an ability to cross somewhere and the reason that they're so militarized is because that's where like empire and these kind of like um like hetero um patriarchal imperialistic like forms of power and empire like it's like i'm gonna show you my power by putting up you know this fence and like this kind of rhetoric um it's because there's the sense that this is where the nation state is sort of like vulnerable so i think those like architectures of violence are a direct response to like the inability um i don't know to like legislate the fact that people move and that's just like a fact of the world and the way that people exist. Um, And so, yeah, it's a lot of like architecture of fear. Because, yeah, because they have to, or because it's a necessity uh, for, not just for people in Tijuana, but for the economy in San Diego. Uh, So there's this interconnectedness and this interdependence that I think is often, yeah, is often ignored. Um, when thinking about and trying to espouse these kind of monolithic like imaginaries of what the border should be right. um, that is very just disconnected from the realities of what it is um, and how it needs to function, I think, on an everyday level. Um, and I think that we're very much interested, as, as Amy is saying, in pushing against that contradiction uh, where the border is at once there's this desire to have it be impenetrable, but there's also this deep desire to have it and to need it to be open right. uh, to people and to goods and to culture. Um, so I think we're, I think, very invested in, in that in that contradiction and in, like, pushing against that um, to, I think, ultimately show how there's, like, a limited, um, I think that there's a failure of imagining other forms for what a border can be um, that then impacts so much about you know and is rested and is connected to so much about just like 
perhaps failures in imagining, you know, what a nation can be and who can comprise it and um, the different forms it can take and who it can uh, incorporate, uh, who can allow to come into it and mm. who uh, it needs to keep out. There's yeah. all these failures of like a limited imaginary ultimately. Right. Um, so I think we're very much invested in, yeah, in, in probing that. the um the pieces that i i, I saw online of yours mm -hmm. is the swap meet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, was that where was that exactly um so the was we have a border? trailer yeah so okay. there was two versions of that one the first version of that uh took place in the santa fe spring swap meet which is in um in la county okay. it's like right at the border um before like orange county um in santa fe or in la mirada i guess um so the first version of that, we set up a little trailer, um, which we call Mika, uh, which is the Mobile Institute uh, for Citizenship and Art. And so we <laughs> set up the Mobile Institute um, as part of, so, and we use Mika to facilitate this project called MAP inside of um, public markets. So the first iteration was in Santa Fe Springs, as I mentioned, and then the second was in the Mercado Sobre Ruedas uh, Pancho Villa in Tijuana, which is like one of uh, the old oldest and largest street markets that sets up on Sundays um, in, in Tijuana. Um, so and, you drove Mika across the border? Mm -hmm. how, how, that was easy? Um, it was an interesting process. <laughs> it was um, because so much about movement, both, you know, from south to north, but also from north to south is this um, confronting situations that um, that you don't necessarily have a rule for, I would say. Like, for okay. example, like, what is the process to inspect a trailer that someone is bringing from San Diego into Tijuana? Right. Um, especially if it looks like ours does, which is kind of, like, strange. And, like, it's like this fiberglass, like, egg-shaped thing. So yeah, it doesn't it look... a hatch on one side. Yeah, it doesn't look like a typical, like, you know, like, RV trailer or a trailer that you would just, like, keep, yeah. uh, you know... People uh, think it's, like, a weird and... uh, food truck normally okay. that's yeah. not a... Uh, that's not a trap so there's no process for those types of things so then they kind of have to the agents there um have to invent a kind of process yeah. and like sure. they have to then perform that no this is actually the official way of doing this so there's a there was a lot of looking at the documents looking at the tra inspecting the trailer quote unquote uh, by just like looking at it and from different angles uh and just opening it in different ways just like these kind of like arbitrary procedures yeah. and then they ultimately uh x-rayed it uh oh yeah that's so, exciting yeah so it got x-rayed um and then afterwards they just were i think they ran out of things that they could do kind of no they knocked on it with yeah, screwdrivers then, right. which was funny they took like the back of a screwdriver and they uh -huh. like went around and they like knocked on it yeah. after they had x-rayed it um, which was funny. You should have done it the other <laughs> way around, maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so that was fine. Yeah, it was interesting, um, and they ultimately were just like, "I guess, I guess you can, yeah, I guess you, you can like, cross. Okay. Yeah, I guess, I guess you pass the the test that we just invented yeah. in the spot." They brought over like a golden retriever that was like the mm -hmm. sniffing dog, uh -huh. which was like way friendly. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, it's like an agent dog, so you're not supposed to like pet it or be nice to it. But it was totally like, <sighs> like you know, wagging like, its tail, me, like me. "Hi, I love you." Like, and I was like, <laughs> "Dude, you're not 
supposed to you're supposed to be suspicious but it was like the <laughs> friendliest dog yeah. so it was easy. i mean it was yeah. like nice the good thing uh or the thing we should mention is that because we wanted to make the process sort of like as easy as possible we took all of our like supplies we took everything out so it was basically like empty a shell uh, yeah so oh. it was basically a shell and then subsequently um we like brought over materials and so then that way if it's like in our car in a bin somehow that's less suspicious than if it's like stored in its compartment in the trailer for whatever reason or that's been uh sort of our experience so we yeah so we crossed the trailer like empty and then the stuff was like in the back of the truck in bins and so they just opened the bins and were like there's paper and we were like yeah because <laughs> we're not trying to do anything illicit <laughs> yeah. yeah but it, there, there's also an interesting interesting i think upper like i think uh, engagements that happen with agents around what it is that we're doing <laughs> yeah because they always want to know like oh what it, what are you using the trailer for so then we have right. to kind of explain the project uh-huh. um and we tend to or at least i personally tend to be um one that begins in the more conceptual realm and then you know goes into the more concrete well, the examples. philosophy of yeah, yeah. so like oh. we're, we're playing on this notion of the agora and like its relationship <laughs> of like market and commercial spaces to citizenship so then we're bringing this object and facilitating a series of that yeah so yeah. then I, I i start to get into it and ins agent brain yeah. is going yeah. <laughs> yeah just like they they pick up on words like art like class and like education maybe and then they're and children yeah and then they kind of speak back like a really like not what we just said the, like <laughs> they were like oh so you're i don't remember um maybe it was like the plaster televisions that we did yeah. but we were like oh we're doing this project at the mark the craft market that's here at the crossing and they were like which market and we were like oh the one where the because there's children that will do like juggling and they sort of work in the line right um, to try to make money, like, get tips by, like, juggling and doing different things. So we're like, oh, the market that the children came from, those children, like, we uh, have been doing a project there, and so we're bringing these, like, television, so explaining. And so then when we get to, like, the actual x-ray, because they're looking at the work, they're like, they're doing a children's art project. Yeah. At the And so we were like, we're not, but I guess, like, sure. I don't know if that's going to, like, expedite this process. That's, that's, oh, I, that's, that's fine. Good. Yeah. But yeah. that's not at all what we're doing. Um, yeah, we tend to get the benefit of the doubt i would say yeah um because i don't think they can imagine like i guess the illicit uh you know use of some of the things yeah. that we cross uh or they're not connected to things that they're familiar with or like are part of illicit yeah. trades uh related to crossing the border but um so but that's, that's always good. interesting and fun yeah yeah is, is having it's those kind of engagements and yeah yeah Um, I, I should also maybe say, or one of the things that about the swap me project and, and the trailer especially is yes. that it was, um, and a way of adapting the types of programs, um, and the kinds of engagements that we were facilitating within a market right at the port of entry between Tijuana and San Isidro. So the market that Amy was referring to, uh, the Mercado Artesanías de la Línea, um, is a series of stalls that are flanked. Uh, on either side by traffic that is waiting in line to cross um, and wow. they sell souvenirs uh, they sell they used to sell a lot more artisan made goods 
uh, from the interior of Mexico. Now they do so a lot less and they sell a lot more food. Um, but it was a market where we initially started working because we were interested in one, thinking about the port of entry and this contradiction that the port of entry represented, mm -hmm. but then also the way that one of the things that is very consistent in terms of, I think, all the port of entries is the fact that there's um, commerce happening. There's like an economy that is being generated by the weights and by the traffic and by the flow of, of people. Um, so there's vendors that sell goods. So we became interested um, in, in that sort of opportunity to um, figure out ways of engaging so many people that are stuck <laughs> mm -hmm. in ways that are, that are be, that are maybe moving beyond the very simple economic exchange that usually dictates how one interacts with others uh, in the space of waiting and crossing. Um, so we started doing research around some of the objects that were sold uh, at the market, and then that led us uh, into then just developing relationships with some of the shop owners. Uh, we learned that a lot of them were you know, second, third generation uh, vendors uh, at that one market, at mm. that one small space that they collectively own the land on which the market sat. So it's this kind of independent oh. parcel of land amidst, you know, one of the most militarized, hyper-surveyed, like, wow. locations. In, uh, you so know, it's kind in the of Americas. a co-op. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like mm -hmm. a co-op, um, and they have collective ownership of that land. So now um, the Mexican government, of course, is uh, become interested in, in perhaps expropriating it to build a more commercial, um, you know, uh, chain Would types of establishments. Would they pay each of those families? Is that the idea? Um, That's what they're negotiating. Yeah. They're, they're trying to negotiate a, a, a sense of value. But what um, would they do for commerce if they don't have that land anymore? Well, like that's what the government in, in a, was saying to them that they would be re relocated uh, to a different site. But the argument of a lot of the vendors is like, well, what we're doing here doesn't make sense anywhere else. Right. And I think that that's what something that we were very interested in is that there's this kind of dependence on site-specific yeah. commerce. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 super yeah. site-specific. And right. the types of just economies uh, that develop uh, in that space are super, super interesting. So we started working with the shop owners um, and they allowed us to use one of the stalls uh, that was empty at the time um, to develop programs. Now Wait, so why was it empty? So what, yeah. It was like, so we um, graduated from uh, college from like undergrad in 2010. And so that's when we came to this market. And that's a couple of years after this like, um, a really horrible like increase in violence in the city of Tijuana uh, mm. as a consequence of like the the war on drugs um the Mexican uh, the, the Mexican war on drugs well which is like right. linked to the US American like mm -hmm. one but um so there was all of this like violence that was happening in public space and so then right. tourism um took like a really steep dive and so a lot of these spaces which served tourists um were just like not viable anymore oh, and so then right. people started to use them for storage and a lot of the um 
things that were being sold at the border at that time started to cater more toward people who were Tijuanenses, who lived in Tijuana, who were crossing as commuters and less to tourists who wanted to take like a tchotchke back with them um, as their memory of, of the city. So when we arrived, like the exterior of the market was still selling stuff and looked really vibrant, but the interior was basically um, empty. Mm-hmm. And so our initial projects at the border mm-hmm. were like, uh, well, initially we like were just going there because we had spent so much time growing up waiting at ports of entry. Like not interacting with people, even though we sort of wanted to, because the game that you play at the border is like, if I look at that thing, like, let's say somebody has like an alcancia, which are like these plaster banks that are sold, and it might be like a Disney cartoon character, it might be, you know, or Bart Simpson. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That the super typical right. is the is the Bart, Bart in in the '90s. That was like the big one. So. I, I, as little Amy, would be like, oh my gosh, I just want to stare at the Bart Simpson because there's like nothing else to do really but like listen to the radio and like talk to my grandma and my mom and look at Bart. Um, but if I did that, then the uh, vendor would come over and be like, hey, don't you want to buy this Bart Simpson? And like try really because they're trying to make a living to then sell that right. Bart to me or to my family. And so then your parents as a little kid would be like, you better not look at it. Like, you better not look at them too long or whatever. So I think the kind of like, uh, yeah, like the primal scene of that just made me Sal and I really curious subsequently when we were adults to go and uh, poke around and ask questions of those people and um, ask about that market space and yeah, just sort of like spend time there. And so after we, so we would just go and sort of hang out at this market um, we met a few people who were really lovely and um, let us know that there was like these open spaces. And um, so then we started thinking about like, oh, there's kind of this like threat that because they had just started to redevelop the port of entry. So there was this kind of threat that the market might be expropriated. So they were like, oh, if we could make this space like more culturally significant, then potentially that would give us more time here. So maybe if you do like a project, then like that'll but we don't have any like money or any like resources really, but we have space. So then our first project in the market was an exhibition um, that used like the vacant stalls uh, on the interior of the market as um, like exhibition space. And that was in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a show called What Are You Bringing From Mexico? Um, so yeah and then that spawned a series of workshops and like different conversations and then a pirate radio station that we do did at the border um and then led to this um series of performances crossings where we um crossed the border in a 1987 uh, chevy station wagon that has been uh that was painted by muralists from canada uh, the United States and Mexico. So it's kind of like a NAFTA mobile. Um, <laughs> and so um, it was painted with like these different sort of images that relate to the crossing and sort of culture um, at the border in different ways in a performance. So as we crossed the border, they painted it. And so we now use it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So we now wow. use it as our, uh, as our radio station wagon. So we okay. have conversations in the car with people we make little like podcasts of those conversations. Um, but while we're recording, we're also live broadcasting to all the cars 
as we're in line to cross. So that's a project called Dialogue in Transit that we've been doing um, more or less regularly. You know, for the you're last advertising years. on the car that mm-hmm. yeah. this is the station. Yeah. Oh, so there's a great. there's a sign on top of the car, and then there's a perifoneo, which is like a a, a uh, like a peripheral like a speaker speaker. Like an, oh, yeah, like the yeah. like the kind that are on, usually like like on ice cream trucks that yeah. are playing oh, the little jingles. So just they're just like, like outdoors, very lo-fi speakers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people can listen to what's happening yeah. in the car. Um, and we've invited, dip- so then we invite people into our car, um, and we have conversations and then, um, people can tune in, but then also the Perifonel, the first time we did it, we didn't have it. And then our, our friends who were like vendors were like, Hey, like we can't hear what's happening in there because that guy, we only have like one radio out here and it's like not loud enough. And so that we were like, Oh, we're so sorry. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so then we adopted the perifoneo so people around us could hear. That's great. Yeah. Like we want our work to kind of be in the spirit of this thing where it's where it's aesthetic, where it's it could be, you know, like precious, but then ultimately it's made to be you know, it's meant to be used, it's meant to like live as something that is also you know, disposable in the sense that it leads you to something else. Right. So, um, we, we that's I think why we continue to work in in spaces like markets and why our work continues to grow out of those spaces and ultimately still be a little, little we call it like funky nice, like yeah. <laughs> where funky it's like nice. funky, it's, nice. funky. Like it's not like so like it's not precious like an art object, but it kind of is. But it's like a little funkier. But it's yeah. like nice. But it's, it's like, like nice. a nice object. It has yeah. like a function and it has a purpose and yeah, it has potential to to bring joy maybe. Yeah. Where could uh people check out your work? Uh our website is cognatecollective.com C O G N A T E C O L L E C T I V E dot C O M. Is the uh, work that you're doing at Grand Central Art Center also there? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's a full compendium. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we could probably end there. Is that okay? Great. Yeah. yeah. We didn't talk anything about what you're doing at Grand Central, <laughs> but that's okay. It's there. Yeah. And it's yeah. in process. It's yeah. in process. And it, yeah. The it also, catalog will come out like in winter of next year at some point. We'll which, which is 2019. Yeah, 2019. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it also is work related to market. markets, to specifically to 4th Street, uh, Calle Cuatro. In Santana. In downtown Santana. So it's still thinking about the relationships of markets to memory and history of communities. And migration. And migration. And how and the border is like a psychological and bodily space as much as it's also like we spoke a lot about the physical aspects but the border is also a thing that people carry with them in their bodies um and in their psychology so um the way that santana we also think of it as a really like border zone and city Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's a little summary nice Mm -hmm. thanks thank Thank you you for being on this makeshift show yeah. of ours <laughs> it's, right. it's funky nice it's funky nice <laughs> and with that I'm going to turn off the machine that concludes another episode of Visitings thanks to the Cognate Collective for taking the time to speak with us shout out to Teresa de la Torre for introducing them to us for the show You can learn more about their work at www.cognitcollective.com. 
You can find more episodes of Visiting's Radio Show at SoundCloud, iTunes, DubLab.com, or our website, Visiting's.net. If you visit us on SoundCloud or iTunes, please leave a comment so more people can learn about our show. Thanks, as always, to the Echo Park Film Center and DubLab for their support. I'm Alan Akagawa, sitting in my living room in Koreatown, saying thank you for listening to Visiting's. Thank you.